Um, and I'm excited because we get to jump into a new sermon series today. Um, we're going to be taking a little trip through the book of Psalms. Um, so the next several weeks, and I've got a, a preaching schedule on the back table if you want to get one of those on your way out. Um, we're going to kind of take a sampling through the book of Psalms. Uh, we're not going to read all the way through it because we'll be here next year. It's a big book. Um, but we're going to kind of just take a little sprinkling here and there of the different types of psalms um, and look at the different genres and styles that there are within the book of psalms. Because um, it's a really rich book. Um, and normally when we start a new series, I would say that we're going to study through a book. Like, we just got done. Before that, we studied through the book of Exodus. Can't can't really study. Like, think about think about other parts of the Bible, like Paul's. You can take one of Paul's letters, and you can dissect it. You can diagram it. You can take all of his sentences and break them apart word by word, and and really study it in almost like a scientific way the historical context, and you can look at the cultural context, and, and the phrasing, and the literary context, and all of that. Um, and we can use that information to have a good head knowledge of how we should be as Christians. I would argue, when we're looking at something like the Psalms, you can't really approach them that way. It's about the same thing. Because the Psalms are, they're poetry. They were originally set to music. It was, it was a work of art. They're not meant to be dissected and pressed out and really just, you know, studied with a magnifying glass the same way we do parts of Scripture. They're meant to be experienced. So it's, it's out of a heart knowledge rather than head knowledge. Let me, let me show you something. Let me give you an example. This is when we think of the Psalms as music. If I, if I play this chord on my guitar here, somebody shout out the emotion. How does that make you feel when you hear this sound? There's no wrong answers. Let's just hear some ideas. Happy, right? Kind of a melodic. What about this? Powerful, I heard. Okay. What about, what about this one here? Expectant, like you're waiting for uh, one of the bad guys to come around the corner to come and get you, right, in the movies? So there's actually a mathematical formula in those chords that tells you how to make those different sounds. And you can actually go through and study those notes, and you can, you can look at them mathematically and say, well, this note and this and you can really scientifically figure out. But you know what it does? It ruins the beauty of the music, doesn't it? Nobody listens to a song and goes, well, some people do. Nobody listens to a beautiful piece of music and goes, hmm, well, you know, scientifically, the structure of this verse, that it just kills it. It just ruins it. And that's the same way with the 
And so what I want us to do is I want us to experience our way through the book of Psalms. Um, I to call this Selah is a fascinating word that we find in the Psalms, in the Bible. We find it, for example, in Psalm 3. Um, it says, O Lord, how many are my foes, many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation in him, for him and God. And then it says, Selah. And your Bible might not have it in the text. Your Bible might have it down in the footnotes. Hebrew that's meaning has been completely lost to history. Nobody knows what the word means. There's words in the Bible where modern Hebrew speakers have no idea what it actually means. So they just put the word in Hebrew, Selah. There's a lot of theories, there's lots of ideas, so some people say it's related to this other word called salah, which means praise. And so some folks think that it's an instruction to those who are listening to the psalm to stop and praise God. It's a, it's a way of stopping what you're doing and saying, praise God, selah, praise. Um, there's another word that it might be related to called selal, which means lift up. And so some people say maybe it was a musical term like um, it's an instruction to the people playing instruments to lift up volume and play an instrumental piece. Maybe. Or it could have been a signal to lift up your hands in praise to God. Right? Um, there's another word, salah with an A, which means pause. And so some people think that maybe Selah has something to do with that. And it's an instruction to us to, to just pause for a minute and reflect on what we just heard. Or maybe it was a signal to the singers to stop and take a breath. You know, when you're singing a song and you get to a breaking point, you have to stop and take a breath. But the, but the amazing thing about all of these is they're all just guesses because nobody knows what the word in our Bible actually means. It's a mystery. And so part of the reason why I wanted to call this series Selah is I wanted to reflect on that mystery. I wanted us to just be comfortable with saying, I don't know. What does the word Selah mean? I don't know. God is a mystery, and I'm okay. There's some things that you have to just you have to just experience through. We don't always understand the ins and outs of how our salvation works, of how our relationship with God works, but we know He's there. And the other thing I want to do is I want us to take all of those meanings that could be what Selah means to pause, reflect, lift, and I want to just do all of them. As we're experiencing our way through the book of Psalms, I want us to be giving praise to God through the reading of his word. I want us to be lifting up our hands and our hearts in the songs we sing. I want us to pause and reflect on our relationship with God. But ultimately, I want us to experience. 
So we're going to go through seven different styles of psalms. Um, and today we're going to be looking at Psalm 104. So if you have your Bibles, we've got Bibles in front of you. If you use an app, come um, up with me to Psalm 104. And before I ruin this psalm with a sermon, I'll read the whole thing, and I'll explain the whole thing. And then we'll come back and talk about it. Lord, my soul, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty. I want to pause for a second. I want to say law. I forgot to tell you this. I encourage you as we're reading through these psalms, um, if you want to take a moment to close your eyes and just experience the psalm, if you want to exhibit a posture of prayer to God while we're reading through these, I would highly encourage that and find that deep connection with our relationship with God as we read through his word. Sorry, let me start over. Praise the Lord, my soul. Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty. The Lord He stretched the heavens like a tent. He lays the beams of his upper chambers on their waters. He makes the clouds his chariot and rides on the wing. Flames of fire, his servants. He set the earth be moved. You covered it with the watery depths as with a garment. The water stood above the mountain. Waters fled. At the sound of your thunder, they took flight. They flowed over the mountains. They went into the valleys to the place you assigned for them. You set a boundary they cannot cover the earth. water into the ravines it flows between the mountains to give water to all the beasts of the field the wild donkeys quench their thirst the birds of the sky the branches he waters the mountains from his upper chambers the land is satisfied by the fruit of his work he makes grass grow for the cattle and plants for people to cultivate bringing forth food from the earth wine saddens humans heart oil to make their faces shine, and bread that sustains their hearts. The Lord are well watered, the cedars of Lebanon that he planted. There the birds make their nests. The stork has its home in the junipers. The high mountains belong to the wild goats. The crags are a refuge to the high racks. He made the moon to mark the seasons, and the sun knows when to go down. You bring darkness, it becomes night, and all the beasts of the forest prowl. The lions roar for their prey and seek their food from God. The sun rises, and they steal away. They to their labor until evening. How many are your works, Lord? In wisdom, you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. There's the sea, vast and spacious, teeming with creatures, large and small. There the ships go to and fro, and the Leviathan, which you formed to frolic there. All creatures look to you. 
When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are satisfied with good things. When you hide, their, hide your face, they are terrified. When you take away their breath, they die and return to the dust. When you send your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the ground. May the glory of the Lord endure for May the Lord the earth and it trembles, who touches the mountains and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord all God as I live. May my meditation be pleasing to him as I rejoice in the Lord. But may sinners vanish from the earth and the wicked be no more. Praise the Lord, my soul. Praise the Lord. So this is, this is an example of a praise psalm, if you couldn't tell by the language. We've got seven different styles of psalms. This is our first one. This is a praise psalm. And a praise psalm has one job and only one job, and that's to give praise to God. In fact, I, I'm going to do what they told me not to do in my preaching classes. I'm going to give you the main point right up front. This is the, the entire point of the sermon. If you guys want to go home early and catch lunch, you need two words to know, and that's praise God. That's what we should be doing in response to this psalm. It's praising God. For all things, in all things, in all circumstances, even when it's hard, give praise to God. So why, why do we praise God? What is it about God that is so praiseworthy? What can we know about God that tells us we need to give him praise? One of the things here in this psalm that makes it very clear is that we can give praise to God. We know we can praise God simply by going outside and looking around at all the things he made. Everything that exists, everything that ever has existed, and everything that ever will exist is his and his alone. And not only that, but the psalmist here paints a picture of God who not only created everything, but is intimately involved with his creation. Isn't that beautiful? He didn't just make the light. He wraps it the clouds. He rides them like a chariot. He didn't just create them out like a tent. Like a tabernacle is the word there. His dwelling place. Gives us this picture of Genesis, doesn't it? God created all things and said, it is good. We know that we can praise God just by looking around at what he made. Romans 1, Paul says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities... His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. You want proof that we can and look around? Look at what he made. We we study the world, scientists study the world, they take their microscopes and they look at God's creation. Sometimes we've been in this mindset where science is over here and faith 
is over here, and they're opposing enemies. But what's fascinating is that more and more and more, as scientists are pointing their telescopes into space, and as they're looking at the smallest atoms of creation, you know what conclusion they're coming to? Somebody had to have made this. This is too incredible, too intricate. The more scientists learn about the world, more and more scientists are throwing hands up and saying, there's just no way that this happened on accident. It's too perfect. From, from the smallest little particles to the vast stretches of the universe, they're looking at things and saying, you know, somebody had to plan this Do you know that if we, they, they can do studies, if they went all the way back to the beginning of the universe, and they're finding out that if an electron, this tiniest little particle, would have just been like 1% heavier, the entire universe would have collapsed. That move around would have just been moving a tiny bit slower than they do the entire thing would have collapsed in on itself. Everything that exists down to the microscopic level has been fine-tuned perfectly for us to exist. All of the, the proteins that are inside our body that make up our DNA, they're finding out that if those proteins would have just been a little bit longer or a little bit shorter or arranged in ever so slightly of a different order, we would not exist today. They've tried it, and they've tried to rearrange them, and they find that one tiny little mistake, and life cannot exist. You come to that conclusion that somebody had to have made all of this. You can't help yourself but praise that creator. In fact, the, the psalmist here in Psalm 104 is looking around moved with what he sees, he can't even help himself. If you look between verse 5 and he switches from saying, he did this, he stretches out the heavens and starts saying, you did all of these things. Verse he set the earth on foundations, it can never be moved, and then verse 6 says, you covered it with the watery depths as with a garment. Have you ever been so enthralled with talking about God that you just can't help yourself and you turn and you just start talking to him? Because what you see, what you're experiencing is so magnificent that you talk directly to him. I give him the praise directly. You covered it with the watery depths. all the things we look around, all the things we see, the heavens and the earth and the light and the waters and God, you, you did all of that. Even in verse 7, the psalmist says, but at your rebuke, the water at the sound of your thunder, they took flight. Over the mountains, they went down into the valleys to the place you assigned them. You set a boundary they cannot cross. Never again will they cover the earth. Now we're talking about something different than creation here, aren't we? 
What are we talking about? We're talking about the flood. Well, that, that changes the way we think about things, isn't it? When we start thinking about God's response to sin, God's command over his creation is so great with a single word, he can wipe it all out in an instant with one flood. In, in fear of God by constantly walking around being afraid of God. That's not what, what we should be thinking. But it does give you a chance to pause for a minute and think about it, doesn't it? God's control over his creation. It's his world and we're just living in it. I grew up in, I grew up in western Colorado. If you ever have a chance to drive down Interstate 70 toward Utah, California, going west, you'll get to a stretch of highway called the Glenwood Canyon. Anybody ever driven in the Glenwood Canyon? Okay. Couple maybe. It's one of the most magnificent highways in the country because it's just this windy double decker highway that's in the middle of a canyon that there's some points where it's a sheer drop off down here and a straight up cliff here. It's a magnificent road to travel on. And but every time I drive through it, if I'm in the passenger seat, every time we go through, I'll look out the window up at that cliff and all of those boulders. And the thought goes through my mind. I'm like, you know, any minute one of those boulders could just decide to come down and it'd be done. You can't predict when that's going to happen. There's this understanding that I have when I drive on that highway that I'm not in charge of that boulder. I'm not in charge of God, and if God decides that that's the time that boulder's going to come down, well, it's coming down. I don't live my life in fear every time I drive down that highway, but I just have this moment of humility and this moment of respect, and it's like, I'm driving down this highway. Right now, I'm having a good old time. If that boulder wants to come down, it's going to come down, and there's nothing I can do about it. It's not fear of God in the sense that you're terrified every waking moment. It's just an understanding that he's God and I'm not. And that's the end of it. The water that he created here in our psalm, he used it to flood the entire earth and to destroy everything in his path. But then look, look at verse 10. Verse 10, he says, he makes springs pour into the ravines. It flows between the mountains. They give water to all the beasts of the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. The birds of the sky nest by the waters. They sing among the branches. He waters the mountains from his upper chambers. The land is satisfied by the fruit of his work. Think about that. That same water that he flooded the earth with and destroyed everything now comes around and is giving life to everything. The same boulder as I'm driving through the canyon, there's places in there where you can look up 
and you'll see this boulder jetting out of the, the cliff, and one lonely little pine tree somehow just manages to grow out of the dirt that's packed in that rock. incredible you'll just see one little tree on the side of a rocky cliff and in that pine tree there's a little nest and in that nest and something that's so terrifying and 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 has so much destruction behind it also has the ability to take these three little baby birds That's like God. God is almighty. He's all-powerful. He can do what he wants, when he wants. He can flood the earth in a moment, but then that exact same water he can use to give us life. The same clouds that bring rain to our crops and help us grow our food can also produce tornadoes that wipe out a house. That same wind that's a gentle breeze that gives us a nice cool afternoon can also turn into a hurricane and wipe out a city. That's this understanding we have with God. He gives our praising him in the midst of all of that. So how do we get ourselves to where we can be like the psalmist? We're not only praising God for the good things in our life, the life that he brings, the little nest, but we're praising him for the boulder too. That's hard. We're good with praising God when things are good for us, when the rain comes and waters the crops and when God is blessing us. We're really good about giving praise to God in those moments, but what about praising God when he takes something away from us? When's the last time you praised God for taking something from you? When's the last time we praised God for things that we don't like? That's hard. Because they're all God when we receive and when he takes away. It's all God. It's all the same God. Verse 24, he says, How many are your works, Lord? In wisdom you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. In wisdom, you made all things. If we cannot learn to yield to God's wisdom, we can never truly praise him. Not just when things are convenient for us, but through all things. Think about verse 27 and following. He says, All the creatures look to you to give them their food at the proper time. And when you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are satisfied with good things. When you hide your face, they're terrified. When you take away their breath, they die and return to the dust. When you send your spirit, they are created and you renew the face of Excuse me. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. He who looks at the earth and it trembles, who touches the mountains and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. May my meditation be pleasing to him as I rejoice in the Lord. 
but may sinners vanish from the earth and the wicked be no more. Praise the Lord, my soul. Praise the Lord. And look, praising God when he feeds us and praising God when he takes our breath away and makes us return to the dust is hard. When we're in the middle of a storm, it can be really, really difficult to have the frame of mind to just stop and give praise to God. Because we don't understand everything that goes on behind the scenes. We don't understand the mind of God. God is feeding out of his hand. We don't know anything. And that's okay. I think it's okay to not understand. I think it's okay to not try and reason why things happen the way they do and to simply just give praise to God. to him as long as we live and let our meditation on his word be pleasing to rejoice in him I think as we move forward through this series I want us to keep this psalm kind of on the forefront of our mind because we're going to go through some psalms that bring up positive emotions and some psalms that bring up negative emotions and I want us to remember through all things to rejoice in him and to give him praise Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we praise you. We lift up your name above all names. We give you all the glory. Not of us, not of ourselves. We just want to give you praise. God, we ask that you would help us to give you praise when we're happy and when we're sad and when we're angry and whatever emotion we're going through, God, we just ask that you would give us the courage and the strength to praise you in all things. God, we praise you for the blessings that you give us in our life. We praise you for the goodness that you pour upon us. God, we praise you for the heartache. We praise you for the grief. We praise you when you take away life. And you disappoint you. We love you. We pray all these things in your son's precious name. And the church said,